0: Spring, y'all tell by the suit. I want it to be spring. Sorry, (laughs) Matthew 5 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. What an honor and privilege it is to be able to stand in front of you and be able to get to worship with you, the brothers and sisters, the saints of God Almighty. Amen? The King of kings and the Lord of lords. If you would, turn with me to Mark chapter 9. And I hope that we are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because Jesus says if you do hunger and thirst for righteousness you will be filled (laughs) I want to be filled you know when I get hungry and I get thirsty I want to eat till I'm full and drink till I'm not thirsty amen and I want to long and desire God's word and what he wants to teach us this morning Mark chapter 9 the verses 14 through 29 is where we'll be as we're continuing walking through the miracles of Jesus. What an amazing man Jesus is. Amazing things that he does. And right here in the beginning of Mark chapter 9, let me kind of put us in the context. He takes Peter, James and John up to a high mountain. And in verse three of chapter nine, it says he clothes his clothes became shining, exceedingly white, like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. We talked a little bit about this on Wednesday night, not this, uh, but we were talking about the transfiguration in uh, class, and Christian and Lynn told me that they had read a child." A translation for kids, and they said that uh, Jesus clothes were whiter than anyone could bleach them. His clothes were white, sparkling. An amazing thing was going on taking place in front of three fishermen. Three regular guys are on the mountain and are seeing something glorious. Elijah and Moses show up, begin talking to Jesus. And then a cloud comes and says, This is my beloved Son. Hear Him. Could you imagine being a part of something like that? Could you imagine the emotions that you would have? Uh, Excited, uh, scared, confused. Confused. I mean, you think about the emotions that you would have. Put yourself in that situation. Think about what is going on. I don't even know what. I mean, Peter wanted to build tabernacles for him. He didn't even know how to act. He was, uh, he, he he was amazed himself. What great emotions must have been going through the three that were with him? You know that. Reminds me of experiences that we might have, you know, on the mountaintop. You know, you think about uh, when you obeyed the gospel. You remember how you felt? You was you felt good. It, it felt good to understand that you were now a child of God. Or, or maybe uh, when one of your friends, maybe you'd been studying with them and they obeyed the gospel. You know that feeling that you get when when you understand that your friend really understands the truth. What an exciting time. Or when just anybody obeys the Gospel and becomes a child of God and they understand the truth. You know, somebody comes forward and they repent. They want to be back right with the Lord. They're, they're struggling and they want to do the right thing. You know those, those good and high moments that you feel good, you know? It's easy to praise the Lord. Amen? In those moments. It's easy to be really spiritual in those moments, right? It's really easy to be, I'm a Christian. And I'm not saying that those things are bad. That is a part of Christianity. You know, you go to a youth camp and you have a really good time there and you really learn some good things and you come back or maybe at a conference and you're fired up. You are fired up for the Gospel. You're fired up to tell people about Jesus. You know, Psalm 103, 1 and 2 uh, says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. It's exciting. It's a good time to be on this mountaintop. Imagine the three disciples up there seeing this. But what about when you come off the mountain? What about when you head down into the valley? When we come back to our regular walks of life. And that's where we begin right here in the uh, disciples' life. Let's look at verses 14 through 18. Mark nine fourteen through 18. And when He came to the disciples, He saw a great multitude around them, and scribes disputing with them. Immediately, when they saw Him, and all the people were greatly amazed, and running to Him, greeted Him. And He asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Jesus and the three come off the mountain and are greeted by a crowd. People from the area, scribes, and the other disciples. <laughs> you know, and Jesus, he never lets a moment go by that he's not teaching. That there's never a moment that he lets pass by him that he's not teaching or showing, or letting us know how awesome He is. So He says, what are you discussing, He asked the scribes. And then one from the crowd said, I brought my son, and he has a mute spirit, and it throws him around, makes him gnash his teeth, it it, it makes him foam at the mouth. And I asked your disciples, since you weren't here, I asked your disciples if they could cast him out. But they couldn't. Think about that. They couldn't cast the demon out. Now you got to remember, just a few chapters before this, in Mark chapter 6, verse 7, the Bible says, "...and he called the twelve to himself." And began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. And in Mark 6 13, it says, And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So, why couldn't the disciples cast it out? They had the ability. This man brought his son to them and asked them to cast the spirit out and they couldn't do it. How would that make you feel? Put yourself in the disciples' shoes for a minute. You got the ability to cast evil spirits out. You have the ability to do this and they bring the one to you and you can't do it. Embarrassed maybe? Ashamed, maybe. Confused, maybe. What were they lacking that wouldn't allow them to perform this miracle to take place? (coughs) Brethren, it's what I want to talk about this morning. It was their unbelief. And you may be thinking, what do you mean? They're following Jesus. They believe who He is, right? Let's think about our lives. As Christians, we believe who Jesus is and we believe what He did for us, right? Or we wouldn't have become a Christian. We understand that Jesus, if we are Christians... That Jesus died on the cross and he was buried and he rose again. We understand that salvation only comes through him. And that belief is solid for Christians, or it should be. But the belief that I'm talking about is what comes after you have obeyed the gospel. Just like the disciples, sometimes we may think just because of the name we proclaim that everything's going to be alright. Just because of the name we claim, everything's going to be alright. But then when we start walking in the valley and we are faced with life, And the situations that come from it, some hard, some tough. Some not as hard. But if we don't handle it, it could turn into something hard. But we don't know how to handle it. Picture the disciples who have this boy in front of them who's foaming at the mouth. Rolling around, grinding his teeth. You know, this boy was really being tortured by this demon. And each one, you think about it, walks up and at Thomas, here he comes, I cast you out, and nothing happens. Andrew comes up, I cast you out, and nothing happens. Judas, I cast you out and nothing happens. In our lives we face situations also. And when we have unbelief, nothing happens. What's the problem? The disciples couldn't cast the demon out. And so the scribes and the people start asking, what's up? What's up? I thought y'all was the disciples of Jesus. How do we feel when sometimes in our lives things don't go the way that they should, we don't think, and, and what we do only makes them worse, and then people around us who see us in our lives, they say, what's up? I thought you was a Christian. I, I, I thought you was a Christian. Look at verse 19. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. He's talking to the crowd. He's talking to the scribes but he's talking to the disciples now listen to this listen to what jesus does he says how long shall i be with you and how long shall i bear with you o faithless generation you know i've heard this saying a lot in the past, in the past couple of weeks and it's true you have to teach someone how to fish on their own or they won't be able to do it for themselves ever Right? i got to give them the pole, and i got to say this is how you bait your hook, and you got to be careful so you don't poke your finger. You ever poke your finger with the hook? It hurts, don't it? Gets stuck. You teach them how to put the worm on there and the bobber at the right height, and then you throw it in, right? you got to show them how to reel it in and catch that. We understand that concept, right? That's what Jesus is doing with His disciples. And He's doing that with us now. You know, the disciples, they were living their faith out by sight. They were walking with Jesus and seeing Him do the miracles and perform these powerful signs. And what Jesus is trying to prepare them for is what we as Christians live by now, right? We live by faith, not by sight. 1 Corinthians 5.7 in Hebrews 11:1, which says, "Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen." right? They were, in a sense, just hanging on by the coattails. They believed in him and who he was and what he was all about, but their faith was shallow. There wasn't no roots. Nothing happened when they tried to cast out the demon. Question, are we prepared for battle ourselves? Are we ready to handle the tough situations that life throws at us? When we are in the valley? 2 Timothy 2.15, we know this verse, but it's so true for this to be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The disciples were not ready for the situation that was presented before them. And what happened? They failed miserably, right? To their embarrassment. And I can't say that I wouldn't do the same thing but I don't want to. So Jesus tells them, bring the boy to me. Bring him to me. Poor, I love Jesus. I just want to be in His arms. huh? Let's read verses 20 through 27. Finish this story out. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him immediately, the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the Spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. You know, here's some drama with his, his, his disciples He's got a situation going on with His disciples. But guess what? Jesus is so focused, He still continues the mission. You may have, this is just a side note, you may have drama in your life, you may have things that are going on that are tough, but remember this, brethren, people still need to be saved. People still need the gospel Watch Jesus. He shows his authority. You know, in verse 20, he comes and the the spirit sees him. And what's the spirit do? It convulses. It tries to give its last shot. He tries to give his last shot at hurting this boy because he knows who he's standing in front of. Look at Jesus' compassion. He's concerned about this man. He says, How long has this been happening to him? He knows how long it's been, but he's cared and and he's caring for this man. He's, He's worrying about him. He's wanting this man to tell him his situations. And Jesus teaches him. He says, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And what's the man say? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe, but I'm doubting. And Jesus shows His power. He rebukes the Spirit and it convulses one more time and then it comes out. But that's not the end of the story. Oh, I love it. I love the Bible. I love the rich nutrients that come from this Word right here that will help your life to be successful as a Christian and make an impact on somebody's life. So we see Jesus takes care of another demon and helps this man learn the importance of who can help him in any situation. And as Christians, we can see what the disciples also saw. That He loves us. And He cares for us just like He cared for them. If He didn't train them and train us, we would not be ready when the valley hits us. And we start to doubt. Let me give you three things quickly to encourage you. when you are in a state of unbelief, when you are in a state of doubt. We can overcome the struggle of unbelief in the valley when we realize that Jesus is always there. Amen? What a great feeling to know that even though Jesus isn't here in the flesh, He gave us everything we need to know for life and godliness. He tells the disciples in Matthew 28:20, 20, "And lo I'm with you always even to the end of the age." What about Romans 8:34? He says, uh, "Paul says, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. He deals for us." All the time because He loves us. He's with us. When you're in a state of unbelief and you're worrying and you're, you're, you're struggling to even make it through, know that Jesus is with you and He loves you. Number two, and I love this one. If you would, flip with me to Matthew 17. That's where we'll end up for the rest of the time. Matthew 17, verses 20 and 21, which is the parallel to this story. Jesus ends with uh, the same comment in verse 21 as in Mark 9, but there's, Matthew gives a little bit more insight of what Jesus wants us to learn. And catch this one, brethren, catch this one. To overcome the struggle of unbelief in the valley, when we recognize our unbelief, it can produce immeasurable faith. When we recognize our unbelief, it can produce immeasurable faith. Man, that's a big thing for me to say, so catch it, y'all. But really... Listen to what Jesus says, Matthew 17, 20. Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, come back to verse 19, let me me get us where we need to be. Then the disciple came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Why couldn't we cast this demon out, this unclean spirit? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Jesus tells the disciples that their unbelief was the reason they couldn't cast out the demon, even though they had the ability. But He tells them, Even if you have the faith of a mustard seed, little bitty old thing, you'll move mountains. Meaning, faith has to start somewhere, and a little is powerful enough; it can move mountains. Listen to this commentary, Albert Barnes. He writes, "If you have the small now, listen to this." If you have the smallest or feeblest faith that is genuine, you can do all things. Oh man, genuine faith. I'm doubting, Lord, but you know what? I'm going to push through this. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm not going to give up hope. He says, the mustard seed produced the largest of all herbs. (laughs) The smallest seed produced the largest of all the herbs. It has been supposed by others, therefore, to mean, if you have increasing, expanding, enlarged faith, growing and strengthening from small beginnings you can perform the most difficult undertaking. Amen? When we do like the Father in the story and ask the Lord to help with our unbelief, that is the first sign of genuine faith, which if continued can be watered by the Word of God and will produce large faith. And last to overcome the struggle of unbelief in the valley we must keep our prayer life at the top of its potential. Matthew 7:21 he said 17:21 he says, "However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting." How's your prayer life, brethren? We got a lot of issues going on, a lot of people who are sick and hurting in the congregation. You remember James 5:16? Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And what does it say? The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? Avails much. Are you a prayer? Do you talk to God through your unbelief? Through your struggles? When we lose contact with God, we lose the ability to ask for help and tell Him how we feel. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. And Colossians 4.2 says, continue earnestly in prayer. Listen to this one, brethren. Be vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Sometimes it's hard, but can you be thankful Through your unbelief and through your trying times. Being on the mountaintop is great. It's a great experience and and, and it's a part of Christianity. But the reality is, our lives are in the valley. And from time to time, we struggle with unbelief. But realizing that Jesus is there for you by recognizing your unbelief and presenting it to God, that will help you through it. When you face a tough situation, don't throw in the towel immediately. Don't immediately give up. Do like Psalms 23:4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Amen. Boy, that's a soldier comment. That's a soldier mentality. Will we put our hope and trust in the faith we have in Jesus Christ even in the toughest times? Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Are you here today and you need to make your life right? Are you struggling with unbelief and you need prayers from the saints? Are you here today and you need to obey the gospel and become a child of God? You can do that right now. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You can't have a relationship with God unless you have faith. And that faith comes from believing and understanding that Jesus came and died and was buried, like I said earlier. And that He rose on the third day. And by believing that, you'll want to repent and turn from your old ways and confess in front of men that you believe Jesus is the Son of the living God, the most awesome God. Amen? Amen? And then you can be baptized in water for the remission of your sins and you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said in Revelation 2.10, if you live faithful unto death, I will give you the crown of life. You can do that today and become a child and become a part of the kingdom that's everlasting. If you need to do that, come right now. It's together we stand and sing.